opens wide for Wade. What a dunk! Morning blocked his dunk! Here's Wade against Green. Eurostep. Basket. Welcome to a special edition of the Heat Check, a special welcome to Miami, Goran Dragic edition, and Zoran. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor of allyoucanheat.com. With me as always, it's David Ramel. How you doing, David? I am psyched for the Dragon era to begin in Miami. <laughs> I think everybody is. It just seems like the consensus on Twitter is um, just pure joy and excitement. The new starting five, Goran Dragic. Dwayne Wade, Luol Dang, Chris Bosh, Hassan Whiteside. Just to recap really quick, the Miami Heat, if you've been like under a rock for the last couple hours, the Miami Heat traded basically a bag of oranges for Goran Dragic. They got they sent two future first round picks. Norris Cole is gone. Justin Hamilton is gone. Uh Danny Granger is gone. And Sean Williams is gone. Cole and Williams went to the New Orleans Pelicans, and the other players, all the other assets went to the Suns. In return, the Heat got Gorn and Zoran Dragic, the Dragic brothers, the Dragon brothers. So that starting five is right up there, I think, with any of the starting fives in the East. Don't you think, David? I totally agree. I think, um, I think. Dragic's strength is obviously the the mid range jumper and his ability to run the pick and roll. He's athletic. He's tall. Um, you know, maybe he's not the kind of defensive minded presence that Miami has usually had, but his the offense automatically becomes one much more exciting, much more diverse. Uh, and com- in the combination with a healthy Dwayne Wade, who's expected to play tomorrow against the New York Knicks, this is all of a sudden a much better team than what we've seen over the last few weeks. It's exciting. It's fast-paced. It's much more capable. I mean, those 80-point games hopefully will be a thing of the past. So I think everybody's really excited about this trade in South Florida. It changes everything that the Heat are going to do on offense, really. And um, But before we get to the X's and O's and things like that and just really how this helps the team, Pat Riley traded two first round, future first-round picks, basically when the Heat don't have any. It's just he is promising future firsts to the Suns um, doesn't sound like they're protected at all or anything. It's just their first round picks. Probably the earliest Phoenix is maybe will get them is 2019 and 2021. So Miami is out of a draft pick for 2017, 2019, this year, 20, right? 2017. Every other year until 2021. Right, right. So, and... I don't know. I didn't really see too much up like anybody really upset as in terms of Heat fans about that. But I did see some some mentions of it. And here the the bottom line is that this Pat Riley has never cared about first round picks. He's never really cared about the draft at all. And to ask him to start doing that and be like the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Seventy Sixers and start caring about the draft all of a sudden would be asking him to do something that he's not, and something that he's never done. So he just went and got this guy who was fed up with his situation, and they traded two future picks for a guy who's good right now. And those players are in high school now. I mean, the guys that the Suns are going to get for those guys, those, those are high schoolers right now. And Miami got a great point guard 
who's great for tomorrow night against the Knicks. So I don't have a problem with it because the Heat don't build the draft. And even if you're looking forward to 2016, even if they give Dragic a, um, the max in this, in this summer, when that cap goes up, they're still going to have space to sign support. I mean, the all-star thing is pretty much gone. You know, barring any major moves or anything like that, they're not really gonna. They're not gonna go after Kevin Durant and those guys. They're not gonna be able to afford it most likely. But they will be able to get those B and C level guys to supplement what they already have, which is basically Dragic, Wade, Bosh, and of course Hassan Whiteside. It's it's a good move, and I think I think you're absolutely right. We talked about this the last time. It's the culture, the mentality of the Heat front office. And, you know, I think it's a tendency for a lot of fans across the country for other franchises to say, but their draft picks, they gave up a whole heck of a lot of, uh, you know, important assets, but they've never been viewed that way. And so there's no reason to think that that would change now. Pat Riley is always in a win now mode. I mean, it's been very infrequent over the course of his, what is it, 19 years now with Miami? Um, I, I think he's. He's only missed the playoffs twice. That's an unprecedented level of success anywhere outside of San Antonio. So he's in it to win it every year. He's convinced that this team is always a playoff contender. And once we get into the playoffs, especially now with this retooled team, I think they're pretty dangerous. I think, obviously, our playoff seeding is going to be impacted, although anything could happen over the next 30 games of the season. But you look at this team, and, and they are very dangerous. So you, you have to give credit to Pat Riley in recognizing what he wanted. We talked about it the other day in the other podcast. This was going to be the defining moment. He either was going to say, you know what, Dwayne Wade's not going to be healthy for the rest of the season. There's no reason to make a move, which is what I thought was going to happen. I thought we were going to mm-hmm. stay at Pat and just kind of roll the dice. I'm glad to say I was wrong. You know, as rare as it is, I was actually dead <laughs> wrong about this. And as rare it is for me, I was right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, he made a huge deal. I mean, even surpassing all of our expectations, he made a very splashy move. We talked about that as being, you know, number one on our wish list of what could possibly have happened, you know, with the exception of maybe getting LeBron James back, you know. But this is a really big move. I think even that, I mean, it just absolutely, like, they didn't have to get rid of Dang, Chris Anderson, Mick Roberts even. They got rid of Danny Granger, who had another year left on that awful $2 million contract. Right. Um, he got on, got out from under that. Got out from under the Sean Williams two-year deal. Got out from Norris Cole. Got out from um, who am I missing there? That was it. No, and well, yeah, literally that was fine. But because um, yeah, when we talked about it on Tuesday, we thought Dang was going to be included in the package because they needed that wing protection right. there that we were. We actually talked about it that PJ Tucker was going to be benched, etc. Because that's what they were looking in order to improve their team defense and kind of take them to that next level, hold on to that eighth spot in the playoffs. They didn't get dinged. They got a bunch of, you know, nothing really. And uh, and they gave up their, you know, starting point guard. So, um, they, you know, to their credit also, they did wind up acquiring uh, Brandon Knight from Milwaukee in exchange for Isaiah Thomas, who was sent to Boston, I think. It, it's been a crazy trade deadline. And, and I mean, that move kind of came in there right at the buzzer. It was unbelievable, and it capped off a, a kind of whirlwind afternoon of, of possible trades. Nobody knew what the hell was happening. Even after the 3 p.m. deadline actually passed, we were all kind of left wondering, going, what the hell just happened? Who went where and who's getting what? Because we had no idea. But I think it was a really exciting time period, and again, a huge moment for this season. And, and moving beyond, because it really sets the pace and the tone for how Pat Riley sees this franchise moving forward. 
And something that's not really being talked about, Miami has two open roster spots now. And they need to fill some of those positions, especially on the back, backup small forward behind Luol Dang. They can still use some backcourt help, even with the addition of the Dragic brothers, um, mostly Goran. Um, maybe some help at backup power forward. There's there's some moves to be made here. I think that they go with some wing depth, somebody that could play a little bit of three, or some three and maybe a little bit of two, and then a backup for Chris Bosh. And I think that's kind of, that's the direction I could see them going in. I don't know who's available, but there's some guys that would certainly um, be intriguing if they get bought out. Larry Sanders, who we talked about on the last podcast. Andre Blatch is there. Except except for Sanders, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the news is that he has no intention to play for the you rest You know what, you're right, season. you're right. So let's get rid of That's not going to happen if that's true. So, um, and, and I'm sorry, Miami kept their the medical exception for Josh McRoberts, so they have some cap room to play with, correct? Exactly. So John Salmons could still get bought out. Sean Williams is might get bought out too. They could just re-sign Sean Williams. That's always possible to a more fair deal. I don't know if that's allowed. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I don't know if it is. Yeah, maybe I not. I don't think it is allowed. So never mind. But there's certain Thomas, there, there's I'm people Thomas around. Robinson is one name I heard being tr- tossed out to. Really, as a potential buyout? Yeah, because when he was sent from Portland to Denver, right? And Denver has no plans on making the postseason, so I. I think he doesn't fit into their plans there. I'm not sure exactly what why they would buy him out. So Denver has Thomas big. Robinson and Kenneth Fareed? Yeah. Can they just put them both on the court at least for one game before they buy him out? I would um, love to see that. Oh my gosh. They'd probably get into a fight with each other over a rebound. <laughs> That's exciting. That's a good possibility, too. I'd pay to see that happen. So the Heat also still have Mario Chalmers, so they didn't have to trade him either. So this team has got... If you just look at the top seven on this team, between that starting five, Chris Anderson and Mario Chalmers, that's pretty good. Yeah, you, you looked at the full list of who's available now. I mean, obviously that might change. Roberts is still hurt. We still have Udonis Haslam. You got Zoran Dragic, who just hasn't been able to get any playing time in Phoenix. But again, it's impossible to break through when you have three all-star type level players in Dragic. Bledsoe and Isaiah Thomas, those guys are, you know, they're all really good. And they went small most of the time. Zoran Dragic is a little bit taller than his brother. Uh, he just wasn't getting any kind of playing time whatsoever. But I remember over the summer when he was he was thinking of joining a team because he had been playing in Europe, he looked like a quality pickup for Miami. I think that was a possibility at one point. I yeah. remember seeing some, some footage of his. He's not a bad player. He's a pretty solid player. I think he can, you know, he could do something in Miami. Maybe he's having a little bit of problems. And again, I don't know. I, I haven't seen anything from him in Phoenix. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but he might be having trouble adjusting to the speed of the NBA game. But as far as his skill set is concerned, he's a pretty complete player. Uh, you know, maybe not defensively again, but he can pass. He can shoot. He can drive. I mean, he's, he's got a good offensive skill set. Am I wrong in this assessment? Nope, we did a post on it on All You Can Heat um, during the summer when a lot of people wanted him. So we did. it's definitely he's definitely somebody that could get some playing time, and all of a sudden Miami's backcourt is deeper. You know, with the, yeah. with the addition of him, with Wade coming back, um, Chalmers now coming off the bench, Napier not being asked to be the starting point guard anymore is huge. He just let him be a rookie, let him learn. 
Um, Tyler Johnson is still on this team. Um, Zoran Dragic is on the team. I mean, James Ennis can play a little bit of two guard. There's there's things that are. This makes sense now, and even if Wade isn't playing now, you can have Mario Chalmers at shooting guard, right? Um, this team just makes a little bit more sense now. Just kind of like when Hassan Whiteside emerged, that front court made a little bit more sense. Now this back court's kind of starting to, uh, ex- is kind of starting to catch up with what that development that the front court made. Um, when Wade is playing and Dragic is playing. Both of those guys can run the pick and roll with Hassan Whiteside, so that's going to elevate Whiteside's game, which is huge. They're both going to be able, Dragic and Chris Bosh are going to be able to do some things together too. Um, but when Wade's not playing, we've in the, this whole season we've seen that pick and roll thing just die. The ball movement basically just is dead as soon as Wade's not in the game. Dragic is going to be able to keep that going. We've talked about how Miami plays with a really slow, the slowest pace in the NBA. That was that wasn't by design so much, but it was they kind of were cornered. They had to play that way. They had to slow it down because the offense was inefficient. Um, they had to lower the possessions per game, and they just had to spend a lot of time on offense to find open shots. And now with Dragic in there, who's able to penetrate, who's able to run the pick and roll really well, who can shoot from the perimeter, who can do everything you need from a point guard. I think that offense starts to pick up, and we're able to see Bosch more in transition. Everybody, Whiteside can run the floor. I mean, these guys. This is not a slow team. You know, physically, it's just it was slow playing out of necessity. Right. No, I mean it's it's it creates funny how one player can change all that. I mean, we've been talking about that same impact just from Dwayne Wade when we looked at how this team could adapt and, and move forward over the last thirty games of the season. But with Dragic, you have another versatile player. He could play some off guard as well. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, you know, you can stagger who's in at what time, and you don't feel like all of a sudden the team is going to fall apart completely the way you pointed out. I mean, with with Wade out of the game, you can keep Dragic in there. You can bring Mario Chalmers in off the bench or even Napier. I mean, the the, the possibilities, maybe they're not endless, but they're certainly far more exciting now. Now you don't have to ask each player to do so much because you have a very capable starter in Goran Dragic. I mean, this is, this is what was missing. You had this glaring hole at the point guard position where you were filling it with, you know, Mario Chalmers, who was not quite capable, you know, of filling that, that scoring load without Dwayne Wade in the lineup. Then you had Napier, who's not ready yet to fill that void. You had Norris for all the effort that he provided. I mean, he was a black hole on offense. He wasn't really doing much that we talked about it last time. His confidence was shot. His long range shooting was woeful at best. I mean, what is it? 20 something percent at this point in the season. It just he hasn't progressed, and now all of a sudden the team changes so completely. And and I am just I'm so looking forward to him being able to run the the, the pick and roll situation for Dragic that is alongside of Whiteside and or Chris Bosh and let Wade come off the ball a little bit, not have to run everything as soon as he's in as soon as he's in the game. You know, let Dragic get get the ball to Wade in the post. Let Wade get back to cutting the way he does so well. I mean, Indeed. just having go ahead. And, and Luol Deng. Getting I mean, him involved, yeah. Yeah. Finally, I mean, this team, it, it, this team, it wasn't like it was missing an all-star guard, you know? It was just missing, or a point guard. It was missing just an average, just a point guard who knew how to be a point guard. It was just missing a real point guard, right? And now, not only does this team have a real point guard who can distribute, but can do it really, really well. 
And if you're looking in the Eastern Conference, John Wall, Kyrie Irving, Kyle Lowry, those are the three that you say, those guys are just better than Goran Dragic. Who else is, you know, head over shoulder, you know, better than Dragic? I mean, you can make a vote for Kyle, I mean, uh, Kemba Walker, I suppose. Uh, I mean, but I wouldn't put him above Dragic. Right, just clear, clearly ahead of him. Right, yeah, Brandon Knight was a possibility, but again, he just got traded to Phoenix. So, I mean, you're talking about uh, between him and Wade, Two of the six best guards in the Eastern Conference? I would think so, absolutely. I mean, I know it was uh, in vogue to talk about the top backcourts in the uh, in the NBA over the summer. I mean, you'd certainly have to give this a possibility. You've got 40 points, you know, 40-something points per game between the two guards. That'll probably change, but still, very exciting. Well, it'll probably change for the better because Dragic is going to be scoring more. Right? You'd think. Now that he's got the ball more. I don't know. Um, either way, I mean, you got Beal and Wall on, on the Wizards. I would say it's probably the best, and I think Miami's right there. And like I said, that starting five, I'd put that up against anybody in the East. It's just now it's the depth, right? And kind of the cool, not the coolest part, but a really, really exciting part about all of this is that Miami still has two roster spots and that disabled player exception still available. So they could actually sign somebody good with that DPE and then find somebody else for the veteran minimum and um, and kind of fill out that roster a little bit. Do you have any ideas of who they're going to sign going forward? Or I mean, it's just everything's so fresh right now. It's kind of hard. But Yeah, I, I really haven't thought about it too much, to be honest yeah. with you. I don't, I, don't know, <clears throat> I don't know what options are available, to be honest with you. I don't think they go D-League. I just don't know if there's enough time to bring up a guy from the D-League and get and get that person acclimated. Another name I'm seeing in the buyout rumors is JaVale McGee. But I don't think that's going to happen, not with not since Chris Anderson wasn't traded, but um, Chase Budinger maybe? If they buy him out? I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of guys that... Ray Allen, I've heard. Does he consider the Heat now? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, you know, room for him, right? So I thought I heard. I thought I heard. Again, correct me if I'm wrong. That him to Cleveland was a pretty done deal. Is that not the case? That's what I heard too, but it's not done, right? And a lot of things have changed. <laughs> so he might be kind of reevaluating things now, but who knows? Um, yeah, I think the scoring thing is, is this is real, and I I think this is talking about the future now, even. The Heat are primed to make a playoff run now and be dangerous in the playoffs. Nobody wants to play Miami in the playoffs now, right? Like, if they remain right around that seventh seed and take on Cleveland, who maybe ends up in that two seed, and we were talking about a healthy Heat team really, you know, contending in a series like that before, this is a good team now that can they might be able to pull an upset, even if it's against Cleveland or whoever, you look at you know teams like Washington, teams like uh, or Toronto, they're kind of falling off right now. Miami could upset one of those guys. Yeah, um, I mean maybe it's overstated a little bit when you don't have the talent to back it up, but I think it's important to look at how much playoff experience might fit fit into Miami's plans. I mean, you've got you know Toronto still hasn't been able to do anything. They still don't have that experience for all their depth and everything else. And 
I just don't consider them real title contenders. And you could say the same thing about Atlanta. As good as they played, they don't have any playoff experience on that team. Not really, anyway. Yeah, a little bit from last year. but. Right. Um, yeah, I mean... This team, I think the playoff experience is going to be big, and I think that's something Riley has always um, kind of harped on and, and valued is playoff experience. Talking about Riley a little bit more, I kind of was mentioning this on Twitter, but people are a little upset about him not putting a lot of value in draft picks or development. I think Riley did learn something from the last four years, and it's not... Um, it's not that he needed those first-round picks that he traded away to, for the option for LeBron to sign an extra year in Miami, which I don't think he would have done again, but that's all, you know, um, in hindsight. But the Heat have really put a priority on the Sioux Falls Skyforce and making that a one-on-one D-League affiliate, putting their kind of coaches in there, sending players down to that level and bringing them back up. This isn't new. This is something that's been in the works for a while. Riley values that D-League thing. He, he values the development that that offers. Miami, like I said, has a surplus of second-round picks. You know, they don't have any first-round picks almost in the, in the near future, but um, they do have an extra second-round pick this year um, and next year. So, like, there's still options to cultivate talent at, at the, in the Sioux Falls Skyforce level, develop it there with the Heat coaches that they have down there. And then and bring that up and use that on the bottom level of the roster because if Riley could do it over again, do you think that he might he maybe doesn't sign, you know, or keep hold on to guys like James Jones in that fifteenth roster spot or that fourteenth or even a Greg Oden kind of guy or or you know Beasley's or those guys that are really like just kind of down there on the roster and might use that instead for D League prospects for develop, developmental players like that. I mean, I think there there's a possibility of that. Maybe that's why he unloaded somebody like Granger, who was mm. obviously not healthy. And so maybe it's a changing in philosophy in that, you know, maybe these veterans, as much faith as you want to put in them, you, you have to realize that it's it's time to transition. And I, I talked about this last time. You know, the gap between a first-round pick, you know, a lottery pick, and a guy that you can develop, uh, you know, maybe you draft him in the second round and stash him in the D-League for a little bit, it's narrowing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, you don't know what you're going to get with a top 10 pick. And it's probably not much different than what you could get from a second rounder who you can, you know, cultivate and develop. I mean, it's, there's so many collegiate And who's much now. cheaper. Oh, again, yeah. You're, I mean, that, that's not even a consideration. I'm just talking from a right. talent level. Okay, yeah. You know, I mean, look at, look at arguably the best find out of this year's, you know, if you want to call it that rookie class. You know, Hassan Whiteside, it's not a rookie, but technically, if you count whatever he's played over the previous three years, you know, and he came out of college early, like a lot of guys do nowadays, got gained some experience overseas, and even that wasn't enough for him to stay on an NBA roster early in the season, and now all of a sudden he's become, I mean, a legitimate you know player, maybe not a star, but a legitimate center that can impact the game and make significant contributions. And he's kind of their lottery pick, right? So if Absolutely. So, and we talked about this earlier on, on the last podcast we did, but um, Whiteside changes pretty much everything. This team does, the Heat front office, they believe in Whiteside. We've heard that multiple times in the, in the media and things like that. But 
And if they believe in Whiteside and they plan on re-signing Whiteside in 2016, then this whole idea of waiting for 2016 kind of didn't make sense because now you're wasting two years of Wade, two years of Whiteside um, on a minimum contract, and two years of Bosch, who's in his 30s now. So it made sense to make it made sense to make this move now for Dragic for an All Star, it, it and to be competitive right now because Whiteside coming in now you have a core four plus Dang a core five, and and there's an opportunity to make a run in a, in what everybody keeps calling a wide open East. It didn't make sense to wait for 2016 anymore, and with the cap jumping up like it's going to, the Heat are still going to be in play for those B and, and C level kind of free agents, and maybe they don't get to go after Joakim Noah or Kevin Durant. But they get to go after whoever those that, that next tier is, and and that's how he could supplement the roster. And even this upcoming free agency, there's opportunities with the mid level exception and things like that to supplement this current roster. And like I said, this is a pretty good top seven. You can get another guy with these two roster roster spots in the DPE that they have available now. Get another guy with the mid level exception this summer. This team could stay competitive. And you mentioned that. Uh wanted somebody who could play both the small and power forward position, right? That's that's the ideal person that you'd want to add it to the roster. Yeah, just a swing a swing man, kind of like, you know, Shane Battier or who can uh, kind of go all between all those positions. Why, you have an idea? No, no, actually I don't. I was wondering if, if maybe you had some... some Budinger's that kind of guy, right? He can play the power forward, although he's a little undersized. I kind of liked him, but it seems like all the Minnesota fans are kind of over him, so I don't know what's going on. But are we talking about 2015 free agents or just people that could be available now? I think now, because, um, you know, in 2015, you've got that, I mean, Deng will probably opt in at this point, right? I don't I think, think he's going to so. get a bigger payday, right? Right. That's what I'm thinking. And because he's moved around a lot the last couple of years, I think he, if he's got a chance to win in Miami and I think he's going to view it as such, then I think he just stays. Yeah, I mean, do you want to do you want to look at how this top five stacks up against the rest of the Eastern Conference? Because I mean, I, I feel pretty good about it. Sure. I mean, I think Atlanta stands above everybody else, right? I mean, they have four right. All Stars or three All Stars or four. Yeah. But I mean, but even that is not with a lot of overwhelming talent. Just incredible team play. Will you give them that? Yeah, and for continuity and chemistry and everything like that, absolutely. So I think you know they ha- they are number one. Cleveland with LeBron, Kyrie, Mozgov, J.R. Smith, um, and Kevin Love, obviously. They're probably the second best starting five. Maybe even the first best. Yeah, maybe even the first best. But, you know, either way, Atlanta and Cleveland, those are the two top ones. I think that's not even close. And then we're talking about a team like Washington with John Wall, Bradley Beal, uh, Paul Pierce, Nene, and, and Marcin Gortat. I think the Heat are kind of right there, right? With with that kind of starting five. Chicago, too. Chicago, right, if Derrick Rose is playing. Um, they're right there. I, I, do you want, if, if we're splitting hairs, I'd probably give the edge to Chicago and Washington right now for continuity's sake. I think Toronto has a, a couple holes right now at power forward and, and small forward. But Dragic could change all that. I mean, you're saying for continuity's sake, but all of a sudden, I mean, he's a heady player, you know, whatever you want to call high basketball IQ, sure. if you will. Um, his, his offensive game 
really lends itself well. I mean, you can uh, some guy, you know some guys can take plays off because he can control. He creates you know so much on offense. He can do so much there, but he can also get other players involved. So all of a sudden, I mean, this just becomes a much more dynamic team. And I know we're rushing, you know, jumping the gun a little bit here because we haven't seen how he fits in there. But I expect it to be pretty seamless. I mean, I, I do too. And I'll say this. If, if Dragic does perform the way we expect him to, between him, Wade, Bosch, and Whiteside, the way Whiteside's been playing, those are four all-star level players plus Dang, who's a darn good player. I don't know if there's another team other than the Hawks right now who can kind of tout four All-Stars. I mean, Cleveland, Love, Kyrie, LeBron. I wouldn't call J.R. Smith or um, or uh, Mozgov an All-Star. I wouldn't call uh, anybody outside Beal and, and um, Wall necessarily like an All-Star level player in Washington. Um, Gortat's kind of like right there in that Luol Dang level. But... Yeah, I mean, nobody else on, in the East can really tout four All-Stars the way that Miami can. So It's unbelievable. It really no. is. The real problem right now is the depth. And, again, when you, when you take Chalmers off the starting unit and put him on the bench and bring Chris Anderson off the bench as they've been doing, making that center position a strong position, a position of strength, you know, you have a, a good guard and a good center to bring off the bench. And if you could just get something from the other guys, if James Ennis, you know, Napier, Tyler Johnson, if they can start kind of doing stuff, and they, they still have those two open roster spots. Even looking forward to next year when Josh McRoberts comes off, now that's your top eight. I don't know. I'm really excited about this team. This is not just built for now for a playoff run. This wasn't a move just for now. This was a move for now and for the future. This is the core. This is the Miami Heat team that we're going to see going forward if everything works out the way we want it to. Okay, here's something crazy. I guess we haven't thought about it, but now all of a sudden we're talking about somebody who can play both forward positions. Is it time to bring back Michael Beasley now? Because he fits that mold. Wow. Some scoring off the bench? Yeah. You know I'm all in on bringing Beasley back, right? I've been I've been in on be- bringing Beasley back for a long time. I have a really hard time giving I up on players. To it. Oh, you did? I did actually think you were opposed to it. No, we I, talked about it last week or this week. I, I thought you were opposed to the move. Maybe I maybe I was. <laughs> Are you taking your medication before podcast? Uh, I kind of missed it today among the flurry of uh, everything that was happening. <laughs> now that you think, now I think about it. Um, I don't know. Beasley would be a really interesting interesting yeah, move. Yeah, it would. He's already working on. I mean, you talked about continuity. Are you for obviously. it? I'm starting to get that way. I mean, when you're lacking scoring and the team's kind of falling apart and, and our defense is questionable with that second unit, then the addition doesn't seem so you know well thought out. And he can't now, be worse than Granger or Sean Williams on defense. I mean, we know that his problem was defense, but he can't be as bad as those guys or worse than those guys. Right, and you know his offense is going to be loads better than what they were providing. Yeah. Huh. I am not opposed to it. And they could probably get him for the minimum because oh, yeah. nobody else in the NBA is going to sign him. And he already made his money in China this year. Um, he'll just do it. He's already working out with the team, for Christ's sake. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. Okay, so let's just say they sign him for the minimum. They still have that 2.65 mid-level or uh, disabled player exception that they can use. So you can get Blatch. Beasley and somebody else, like Blatch. 
And now, um, that would be interesting. People would, people would deride the move because you bring in two kind of sort of head cases. Right. Plus Whiteside, whose personality is somewhat questionable, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about getting both of those guys. Can't Spolstra handle it? And probably not. And that's where... I don't know if I anything mean, can handle it. Yeah, exactly. If anybody's going to be able to do it, you look at either Popovich or will say, you know, do it my way or get the hell out of here. Spolstra is probably a little bit more flexible than that. And even he, I just don't think he could rein in both Beasley, Blast, and a white side personality that might be, you know, somewhat tenuously hanging on to any kind of discipline or whatever. I'm trying to think of other power forwards who might be available right now. I'm going to look it up. NBA free agents. I'm going to use the Google machine to do this. Here we go. You got Robinson as a possibility, too. I really like the idea of bringing in Thomas Robinson. I'm all in on Robinson. Tell if, me a little bit about his game, because I really haven't seen him play much. Can't score. Nice. <laughs> so we're starting on a good note. Lots of energy. Rebounding machine. Has the ability to play top-level defense, but hasn't done it consistently. Um, but ultra competitive. I mean, just think about if you switched, if you took Kenneth Reed off Team USA and put Thomas Robinson in there, you might not get the same production, but you're going to get darn near close to it. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster. Um, I think, I just don't know if he's been in the right situation. And I don't know if Miami is the right situation, but I'm still a fan of Thomas Robinson. And you could talk to somebody else who's not a fan of Thomas Robinson anymore, and there's plenty of those people, and they could yeah. sound like the opposite of me right now. But um, the yeah, talent is certainly there. For all of his energy, he's like a, a bowler at China shop, and he doesn't get anything done. Exactly. But if the Heat want just athleticism and maybe talent, just, just raw, pure raw talent, then I think you might go in that direction. I just don't know if, for the Heat, if you're taking Bosch off the floor and you want somebody next to Whiteside or Anderson, Thomas Robinson's not the guy you want because he's he's a little bit, just his energy and his hustle, that's just going to be redundant of what Anderson and Whiteside already bring, and Miami doesn't want to crash the boards that much. They really just want shooters to spread the floor. So I love Thomas Robinson. I just don't know that he's the guy that they need. It's starting to look more and more. If you're looking at what at what Miami could possibly use. Seriously, I mean, the Beasley pickup, I mean, his rebounding numbers are ridiculous. His shooting is still there, obviously. His scoring ability is always going to be there. Looking more and more like that's a really smart pickup, and I hate to say it because I'm scared. You know, I think we're all a little gun-shy. Mm-hmm. It's like getting back together with that girlfriend who, you know, maybe... You oh, know, yeah, she cute. wasn't that bad. She, you know, she had, you know, we had our good times, right? Like, I could... I could she just kind of did that one thing that really pissed me off, but she hasn't been doing that to me lately. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. So, but, you know, I'm all in on bringing Beasley back. I'm, I'm for it. I'd say I, this team needs scoring. This team needs talent. Yeah. Um, if Beasley's going to make an NBA comeback, the Heat are still probably the best fit for him, you know, personally. I don't know. It's it, it really kept the jersey and, and, and the shrine is still there from last year so you don't want to take it down is that basically what this is all about there's just a sheet over it right now but i'm <laughs> that's all you know it just dust that that dust that old baby off but uh <laughs> you know it really we don't know what happened though right we don't know how hard it was to deal with beasley we don't know 
And if they just don't feel like dealing with that again or going through, you know, it's easy to teach some people and it's harder to teach other people. And if Spolster just a, simply doesn't have the patience to try to get Beasley acclimated and get going again, if he doesn't have the patience, especially now going into the playoff push, I can see it not happening. And I'd still lean on it not happening, but I'm kind of excited about the idea of it happening. Um, you know, LeBron was supposed to take over this kind of mentorship role last year. Maybe with him gone, maybe they felt like that's that was the only person. Because, again, you and I have talked about this before. Wade and Bosh aren't that kind of player. Right. They're, they're not mentoring types. Uh, they, they, you know, serve by example, and they lead by example, rather, and that's basically it. They expect you to kind of match that level, at least be a professional about your business. And Beasley is anything but at times. So I think LeBron's much more likely to kind of be the kind of guy to say, "Come on, young blood, you know, you gotta, you gotta play like this or do things like that, etc." Um, for better or for worse. And now with him gone, maybe that role is missing. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Nobody on the team now is a very vocal kind of leadership type, right? I mean, that's 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 another interesting thing here is that you don't have anybody like that anymore. Yeah, I mean, but isn't that kind of the job of the coaches too at some point? So yeah, but I don't know. Not like that either. I yeah. mean, he's, he's just more of a regimented type. I've never seen him be the raw, raw kind. You know, that was always what that was Riley's strong suit is that you know he got everybody so fired up that you know, like Alonzo has said on many occasions, you know, he had you ready to run through a brick wall for him. So right, exactly, and so for if we're Writing off Beasley, then, I'm, I've got hoopshype.com up, and they've got all the free agents currently available kind of ranked in order. Excellent. There we go. So let's do this. Ray Allen. Yes. The Heat would take him if he was willing. Interesting. Yeah. Andre Blatch, still a possibility. So I think we're not we're saying no to Blatch and Beasley, but possibly to Blatch. I mean, this team was interested in Blatch. I mean, this is not a new thing. This is not a new name. They've been interested in him since the summer. He would be exclusively a power forward backup, I guess. I mean, assuming Whiteside yeah. and Birdman stay healthy for the rest of the season. But yeah, and I could I could see him playing a little bit of center if if they needed the, a few minutes here and there, three minutes here sure. and there. Sure. I mean, Birdman seems like he's he's looked great recently, but you know the way he plays, he's one bad tumble away from spraining something or getting hurt. Right. For, for a long period of time, so yeah, he makes sense. Nate Robinson, no. Jermaine O'Neal, probably not. Michael well, Beasley not... is five. Really? Yeah. Sam Dallenbear, no. Francisco Garcia, kind of that 3 and D shooting guard, small forward type position. Richard Lewis. I think we're over that, right? But he fits, though. He fits. If he's healthy, if he's keeping in shape, and I don't know if he is. I know... I know he, had that he was healthy last year, and he wasn't great. He was putting up those weird zero across the boards with a twenty plus twenty per or something. <laughs> Whatever that those weird things. I don't know. I, I'm selling on Richard Lewis. Ameka Okafor, that's gone. Al Harrington could be interesting. Uh, and now we're getting into some weird D League people. There's a guy named Poo Jeter who was a point guard. Ooh, Poo Jeter. Poo Jeter. Uh, now we're getting to all these. Xavier Henry played at the Lakers. Yeah. Kind of like him. Yeah, he was a nice, high-energy kind of guy, right? Earl Clark. Remember Earl Clark? Vaguely. He's that. He's exactly that. He's a small forward, power forward, tweener. He's kind of. He'd be a nice, interesting fit, I think. Also uh, a former Laker, wasn't he? Yes. 
Ronnie Brewer last played for Chicago last year. Wow. He's on, you know, he could play shooting guard, small forward, even some power forward if we're going really small. Is he playing anywhere currently? Nope, he's a free agent. Yeah, but I mean, these could, these could be guys who are kind of maybe haven't officially retired yet, but they're Pretty much retired. Yeah, I don't know. He's not that old. That's I don't even know if he's hit 30, Ronnie Brewer. But who knows? <sighs> a guy that I liked for a while now is Jordan Hamilton. He played with the Nuggets, the Raptors before that. He's been in the D-League. He's a tweener, small forward, power forward kind of guy. I'd be interested in giving him a shot. He was also uh, he was also tweeted by uh, Wojnarski, did you see that? No, what happened with him? <laughs> when he was uh, listing out the players that were getting sent to Phoenix, he listed Jordan Hamilton instead of Justin. Oh Hamilton. yeah. <laughs> and Jordan responded back, "Oh, looking forward to it because you know, considering he's out of the league, it must be exciting <laughs> to get traded from a team." So we could get rid of Justin Hamilton and get Jordan Hamilton. I'm okay with that. And then trade him to Phoenix just to make Wojnarski sweet 100 percent correct. I think they would give him the favor. How about this name? Chris Douglas Roberts. I forgot that he got waived. And how is he not in the top ten potential free agents? I mean, this is I don't the know. Guy who... I don't know because he was great in Charlotte. Or, or not great, but he really did some things to us in the playoffs last year. I remember him being annoying. And for me, the way I judge good players, if if they're annoying, if they're annoying me as a Heat fan, then that's a good player. You're right. You're right. But I love how you that drop off there from he did some great things to man that guy was kind of fucking annoying <laughs> that's a huge gap and he just crossed it in seconds that's you know a leap that uh only a few people can make um so I think that might be an interesting thing he could play he's a good on ball defender not a great shooter no. uh Damian James now we're getting to some real low tier guys oh my gosh they list Steven Jackson here ooh well Captain Jack Ryan Gomes. Oh wow! So I, I think our top three, our top three players would be the guys already assume, assuming Thomas Robinson. Right. The top three guys would be two former Heat players and Ray Allen and possibly Michael Beasley and a third and Andre Vlach who's already had interest from Miami. Yeah, and I think and then that kind of list. They just have a real big need right now, unless they really view James Ennis as a small forward, as the backup to Dang. They really need somebody to back up Dang. And I think it was good to get out from under Granger's deal, and he was just not cutting it. Right. And I think there's some people, even like a Francisco Garcia or, or Jordan Hamilton or those kind of guys, or Ronnie or uh, Ronnie Brewer, or those buyout guys. But one, Riley's not going to rush it, right? He's going to kind of keep an eye on what's going on in the buyout market and and see how he could best get that. But Blatch wouldn't surprise me. I mean, this has been something that's been going on for a long time. If they could get Blatch and just a veteran to put at small forward just to supply some depth, I think that that's kind. Of, I think that's the way they go. It's too bad about Sean Williams. What do you mean? I, I mean, I, I just feel kind of bad that he got traded. I mean, this is a guy who he, he really felt comfortable here at first, you know, and then we kind of pulled the rug out from under him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he was talking about how happy he was to be in a stable situation considering where, you know, he was with the, what is it, the L.A. Renegades at the D-League for most of last yeah. year. And, I mean, really tough break. And now there he was starting, and 
you know, part of something really good at the beginning of the season. I mean, everybody tends to forget it. You know, loss and all the injuries. He was a pretty solid guy. He was not hurt until recently. Um, and he was a part of, the, you know, when we were winning at the start of the season, before Wade got hurt, he was a big part of that. He was stretching the floor. I mean, he was shooting at a ridiculous rate. Wasn't he at, like, above 50%? Yeah, he was at first when he was starting. And then right. all of a sudden, he wasn't starting anymore. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's weird how that happened. I, I I had hoped that he would, you know, be a part of something good here. Because he kind of fit that mold of, you know, guys like Richard Lewis, uh, Shane Battier types, you know, older veterans that stretch the floor a little bit. So I was hoping he would stick around here. And, you know, Danny Granger, that's a tough one. Um, again, another good, solid citizen. You know, that's you know, to their heat credit, they always brought in good, solid people who just turned out to be pretty poor players. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and Norris Cole. Should we have a, a moment of silence for Norris Cole? All right, that's long enough. Um, Is that it? That was it. <laughs> so I'm seeing now on Twitter a lot of people are saying, oh, thanks for everything that you did, Norris Cole. Okay, here's the thing about Norris Cole. And right. all right, first of all, Heat fans on Twitter, that's fine. Try to be nice to Norris Cole now that he's gone. I was really mean to him. Everybody was really mean to him this last year. It really wasn't his fault. He was the scapegoat. We have it every year um, for all of our – for every time we get frustrated, we take it out on somebody. And the, this year it was Norris Cole. But the, Norris Cole, whatever team he ended up on, the Pelicans or the Suns, um, <laughs> we think it's the Suns. Um, no. Oh, the Pelicans. I'm sorry. We think it's the Pelicans. But whatever. The thing with the thing with Norris Cole is that he was he was good on a good team, right? And he has his weaknesses and he has his strengths. And unfortunately, this year his weaknesses were highlighted because we needed him to be better at what he was weak at, which was absolutely primary ball handling, shooting, um, right. and running the offense. He didn't do those things with LeBron James in the last four years. Um, right. I don't know if the whole being enabled to run an offense is is acceptable, and I'm not willing to say, okay, well, LeBron James ran most of the offense the last four years. He was a point guard. He's always been a point guard. He was a point guard in college, and he went to college for, I believe, all four years. Um, you don't just forget how to run an offense because you didn't do it all, like, 100% of the time because LeBron James was on your team. But um, the other things, like just being a primarily NBA ball handler, and um, which we, see, we know there's an adjustment period from college to the NBA, um, and shooting... Those were not his strengths. They never were. He was an energy guy, a good on-ball defender guy, off-the-bench kind of person. And if he can keep doing that wherever he ends up in the rest of his career, if they can, if he could be put in those situations, he'll be fine. He'll be a good backup point guard. But he just, he wasn't as, I don't think he was as bad as he was in Miami. That didn't really show how bad he was. And we've been saying it for a long time. He needed to change his scenery, right? And this is what it yes. is. So this is ultimately, we could feel bad for Norris Cole and how everything went down this year, but he needed that change of scenery, and this is a good thing for him. And I do think after a while, he might miss the guys in the locker room and all these things, but it's going to be good for him. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping those frequent misses at the rim will translate into uh, Anthony Davis putbacks. Oh, that would be fun. If Anthony Davis is ever healthy again. Hopefully Anthony Davis isn't healthy by the weekend. Oh, right. Uh, we play them Saturday? Saturday. Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, we don't have a back-to-back. That would be Sunday. Um, all right. So that's it for our uh, Goran Dragic thoughts and Zoran. 
Um, any parting words, David, before we get back together on the podcast next week? Um, We're going to see two games of Gorin before we leave. So Chris Bosh won't play tomorrow night. He's not flying with the team to New York. So, of course, as soon as everything is about to look up, it was, oh, Bosh won't go. So um, we're not going to see the complete starting five, the best starting five in the history of the NBA um, Friday night, but we'll hopefully see it Sunday. This is a for sure that Chris Bosh is not going to play tomorrow. Unless he flies by himself. The team took off without him. I mean, wasn't he already in New York anyway? I think he came back. I uh, should have stayed up there. Well, that's his fault. That's. that's <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, David. <laughs> I mean, you're supposed to have... You know, you have connections to the team. You know, you're supposed to be telling him what to do. <laughs> well, I told him to make the Goran Dragic trade, so lay off yeah, me for a second. Really okay. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we don't... All right. Predictions for how this next season, the rest of the season's going to go. Uh, 30 games left. I say we go 23-7 and seven now. Ooh, that's a really specific... Oh, yeah. You weren't looking for anything that specific? We'll I don't know. That's fine. That's good. Uh, we'll win bunches. How about that? We'll win in oodles of games. <laughs> yes. Oodles of games. All right. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it.